Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's lift up the service in prayer, and, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, we just thank you so much, God. We thank you for your Word, God. We thank you for just being able to come to your house and worship you this morning, God. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for that, that testimony of what you did in Molly's life, God. We, we know that what you've done for her that you'll do for others as well, God. And we just put our faith and trust in you this morning, God. Hallelujah. We, Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts. We, we have eyes to see. We have ears to hear this morning. Just give us insight to your word, God, of, of things that we need that'll encourage us, challenge us, that'll, that'll straighten out the, the crooked paths in our lives, God. And we pray over the families. That's what we're talking about this morning. Families in the houses, God, and, and our church family as well, Lord. And we just lift up this church family to you. We lift up the relationships, the marriages, um, parents, everybody, God, and, and just ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen, amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. Well, miracles, March for Miracles is, is what's going on. And, and before we get started, I want to welcome everybody, welcome everybody online as well. Just thank you for coming and worshiping with us this morning. As always, if you're ever in town, come and see us. There's no place better than, than to be in the house of the Lord on, on Sunday morning. There's such an atmosphere here, you know, just an energy and a, and a passion. I tell you what, that's contagious. Expectation, that's exactly right. So we've been talking about mir- miracles. Obviously, it, it's uh, March for Miracles. You know, we start out at the beginning of the month talking about there was a miracle in your mouth. You should have that Charles Capps book. Hopefully, you read that. Reread it, you know, throughout. As you, as you get information or, or, you know, revelation from the Word of God, the more you read it down the road, you'll be at a different point, right? And you'll get deeper and deeper revelation. You know, Charles Capps had that revelation that, that people can have what they say, but unfortunately, they're saying what they have. You know, and it sounds like a riddle, but again, you can have what you say. So if you say what the Word of God says, you'll have what the Word of God tells you that you can have, amen? Then we talked about having a, a miracle in our house, which means God has already put in you everything that you need. Everything is in this word, in this book, that you need to, to have a miracle. And then last Wednesday, we talk, or last Sunday, we talked about a miracle in your finances. And, and again, Molly's testimonial came out of that, amen? And, and in between, you know, just various things, keys to receiving a miracle, hindrances to your miracles. You know, go back, and if you weren't in church, you know, everything kind of layers on top of one another, and as we get to the end of the month, obviously this is a culmination and you can just feel it. You know, there is an atmosphere of faith here. There is an atmosphere of expectancy, which, you know, you're expecting miracles. Amen. You're, you're walking in that supernatural. And that's what I'm going to talk about here today is walking in supernatural relationships specifically. And, and that word miracle, before we get started, is, is it's simply an extraordinary or an unusual event taken as a sign of the supernatural power of God. It can't be explained, you know, with human reasoning. It, it doesn't make any sense in the natural. It's something unusual or extraordinary, and again, a sign of the supernatural power of God. You know, and we use the, the target that we had put up at the beginning of the month, and, and, you know, I just ask you throughout the month, what are you aiming for? You know, if, if you're like that archer and you just go out and, and you're just kind of aiming in any direction, you're going to get any old thing. You're not going to just randomly aim and hit the bullseye. That'll never happen, right? And, and as we go from these levels, from good to great to, to excellent to world-class and, and ultimately to supernatural, you've got to discipline yourself and you've got to put in the work. And, and you know, again, Molly's testimony is so good with that. She, she believed God, 
but she also works hard at her job. She's a good steward over what, what God has entrusted her with. You know, she's not showing up late, leaving early, you know, taking advantage of things. No, she's doing the opposite. And God's hand of, of favor and his grace and, and her faith in him is what empowered her to receive that miracle from him. So it's, it's kind of a two-way street. Amen? And again, that seventh arrow is the supernatural. It's, it's beyond and above the natural. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Living beyond and above the natural in our relationships. Amen? And this is where God wants us to live and operate. It's where God operates. And Jesus was our example. We've used this kind of as a, the anchor scripture throughout. And in John 14, 12, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And that should be a challenge to us. You know, the things that we read that, that Jesus, all the miracles that he performed, it says if, if all the miracles were, were written down in books, there wouldn't be a, enough books to, to contain all the miracles. And it says we'll not only do those miracles, but greater miracles than that. Amen? Greater works. Praise God. And that's what we're to be doing out in our lives, but it starts in our home. Amen? And again, that's why this morning we're talking about a, a miracle in our relationships or, or walking in the supernatural in our relationships. Talk about our, our, our personal family, and, and we'll round it out in the end in talking about our church family. You can turn in your Bibles to, to Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this a little bit, and I'll, I'll catch up to you here in a moment, but, but turn there to Genesis 12. This is the story about Abraham and Sarah. You know, and, and Abraham, as we know him, is, is the father of faith. He was, he was the patriarch. You know, he was the, the, the first one that God chose to, to cut covenant with. So, you know, for the Jewish people, he's the, the father of the Jewish people as well. So he's a, he's a big deal. He's a prophet. Amen? But here's what we're going to talk about this morning, that, that Abraham and Sarah, they were not perfect. You know, a lot of times we think that, that when we read these stories that, man, they had it all together and, and they were perfect. I'm just going to read you a couple scriptures before we get to Genesis 12 to, to kind of set this up. Joshua 24, 2 says, Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, so Terah is Abraham's father, okay, and they lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. So that's what we know is, is Abraham's father was Terah, and in their household, they worshiped other gods, they worshiped idols, Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 says, Terah was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. So, so the land of Canaan is, is the land of promise. It's where modern day Israel is today. You know, that's where the Israelites, God was always trying to get them to that promised land, the, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. So they were on their way. He was leading his family to the land of Canaan or to the promised land. However, they stopped in Haran. And Haran, interestingly, it means comfort. So you think about that. When you look at that, that bullseye that we had up originally, you know, as you're, as, you're, as you're disciplining yourself and you're in the Word and you're believing God and you're coming to church and you're praying and you're doing everything you know to do and as God's prospering you and growing you up and giving you knowledge, you're going from good to great and you're moving up on these, these levels, a lot of times when we're on our way to the promised land, we stop where it's comfortable, Right? And we can't just live a life of comfort because comfort a lot of times turns into complacency. So that's why we want to be challenged. We want to grow and, and it's not comfortable to grow. You know, when there's friction, when there's resistance, that, that, that makes us feel uncomfortable. But, but Terah, he was onto the way to God's best, but he settled 
for what was comfortable. And he never made it there. He lived out his whole days there. So another thing we know about Terah, Abraham's father, that he not only worshipped idols, but he also made idols. Like that was his livelihood, was, was making idols. So Genesis chapter 12, if you're there. Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to, to Abram, he said, Get out of the country from your family and from your father's house. So now we know why he said that. Because Terah in his house, he's worshiping these idols. Not only is he worshiping them, but he's also a maker of these idols. So what, is, what does God have to do with Abraham? He, has, he says, you got to get out of this house. you got to get out of, and, and away from your family. And he says, he says, go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Now here's where God's giving him the promise. He's saying, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, and I will curse those who, curses, who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So again, this was the promise that was made to Abraham, and, and God knew he had to get him away from his family. So now, if we think about what's really going on behind the scenes, there's got to be some, some, some tension, some family tension here when, when I'm sure Abraham comes to Terah and he says, hey, you know, God has called me to, to leave you and, and to leave the rest of the family and uh, to go out and into the, the wilderness and basically pitch a tent out there. You know, there was going to be family tension. How many people were like me when, when I got born again, you know, and, and then they said, oh, you're going to go to that church and you're, you're going to believe that way, right? There was some family tension. You know, my family wanted me to, to get right with God, but they didn't know I was going to go radical and that I was going to go to the extreme and, and believe that the Holy Ghost is still working and that, that people are still getting delivered and, and set free and healed and, and that God is still working. They kind of just wanted me to, you know, not be as crazy as I was before, not, not be that radical, but again, just, just, just get saved and just get in and, and, and do your thing. So imagine again, Abraham, when, when he's called out from his family, I'm sure that created family tension. So again, their family was probably not perfect. Keep your finger in Genesis 12 and, and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. This is, this is the hall of faith where uh, we learn about Abraham here and, and, and what God says about him. Hebrews 11 verse 8, it says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Imagine that. He didn't know where he was going. God just said, just said pack it up and, and move it out. Verse 9, it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, hallelujah, whose builder and maker is God. So here's what we know, that Abraham is definitely a man of faith. Because he just simply, he listened and he obeyed God. He, when God told him to go out and, and, and pitch a tent out there in the wilderness, he didn't question God. He didn't know even where he was going. He just simply had, had faith in God and trusted him. But imagine behind the four walls what happened. You know, they were, they were a nomadic people, right? They, they lived in tents, which means a tent isn't like a permanent residence. They could pick that tent up and, and they could move around a lot. Here's one thing I know about women is, is they like to have a home, Right? They like to have a place called home where they can kind of nest and, and make it their own. They don't like to, to be uprooted and, and move from place to place and, 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 and from thing to thing. They want to have a nest and again, where they can get planted. So ladies, imagine this. Imagine if you know, your husband comes home and he says, hey, we're moving. 
You're like, where are you moving to? I don't know. Just pack it up and, and we're heading out and we'll, we'll see where God leads us. Could you imagine the friction that may happen within the marriage? And again, we, we just think, hey, it's all rainbows and unicorns with, with Abraham and Sarah. He's the, the father of, of, of our faith and whatnot. And, and we don't think about this a lot of times. I know I learned this by personal example, 20 years ago when, when we were moving down to Omaha and, and I was working at a, this, uh, I was managing this car wash lube and, and, and detail shop and, and my boss was a Christian and Melissa and I had gotten married and, and she was probably six, maybe seven months pregnant at the time. And uh, so what I would do is I would work uh, about three quarters of the day on Saturday. I would drive home. We'd come to church on Sunday, get up Monday morning, and then I'd, I'd shoot back down to Omaha. And finally, my boss, he, he pulls me aside. He said, okay, let me get this straight. You've been married, a, uh, you know, six or seven months. She's, she's you know, that many months pregnant, um, you know, newly married. You've got highly emotional wife during pregnancy, let's just say, up and down, you know, with the emotions and whatnot. He's like, you need to get her down here. You know, he had wisdom with that. And so we rented this furnished apartment. Now, this was 20 years ago. This was before VRBO and, and Airbnb. And, and so this place was furnished, but, you know, we use those words very lightly. The bed, you'd lay in it, and it was really tiny. And, and you know, your butt would go down, and you'd, you'd kind of the back and your feet, you would, you would see one another. And so her being pregnant, she was not happy. It was like living in a, living in a tent. Amen. And that really motivated me to get us a house and, and get us a permanent residence. So again, I feel Abraham's pain and what he's going on in here. Can I get an amen from you men this morning? The women need a home. Hallelujah. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. The father of faith, Abraham. And again, they didn't have it all together. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, hey, you know what, my marriage isn't exactly where I, I'd like it to be or, or the home life isn't as good as it needs to be. Hey, there's hope, amen? So Genesis 12, verse 10, it says this. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land and it came to pass when he was close to enter, entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Hallelujah, she was a hottie, amen? Like my wife, man, all the, the right stuff and all the right places and I mean, just a beautiful countenance, amen? She said, therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say, you are my sister, that it may, may be well with me for your sake. So he's saying, he's saying, hey, Save me, and, and I'm going to basically give you up to them so that, that they can save me, and that I may live because of you. So again, we just read these stories, but imagine yourself, picture yourself in there. And he not only did this once, but over in Genesis 20, we're not going to turn there, but he, he did it a second time with, with King Abimelech, right? So imagine Sarah, you know, She's thinking, okay, whatever, I guess you're the head of the household. I'll, I'll do whatever it is that you say. And, and so, you know, of course, Pharaoh's, they're, they're, you know, the people around Pharaoh see Sarah and, and how hot she is. And, and so they end up taking Sarah because, you know, they ask Abraham and he said, hey, yeah, she, she's my sister. And she said, yeah, I'm his sister. So, you know, she's fair game. So again, goes into Pharaoh's house. And over time here, now all of a sudden plagues and really the curse. See, I will bless, you, bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. The curse came upon Pharaoh's house, and he recognized that. He probably looked back and he said, man, everything was going really good until I brought Sarah, Sarai in here. Then everything changed. And so he, he probably goes to her and says, hey, what's the deal? You know, and, and she's like, well, I'm actually not as 
her, his sister, I'm, I'm his wife, right? And so what does is, what is Pharaoh do? He says, you know, Abraham, why did you do this to me? And so he not only gives Abraham back his wife, Sarah, but he also loads, loads him up with a lot of goods and stuff because he wants the blessing back on his life. Blessing, I will bless you. Cursing, I will curse you. So again, imagine Sarah in this situation. She wasn't quite Sarah yet. She was Sarai. You think she just was like, hey, Abraham, hey, no big deal. No problem. I went and lived with Pharaoh for a, a few months and, and, and was in there while you were out doing your thing. You know, no big deal. No, she was probably mad. Huh? Ladies, was she probably upset? And, 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 and what did she want Abraham to say? Man, no, this is my wife. You're not taking her. She's my wife. He wanted her to, to or she wanted him to stand up and, and be the man of God that, that God had called him to be, the, the man that she originally married. Amen? Amen? Genesis 16. Now, before we go thinking Sarah is all, all holier than thou, let, let's see what she does here in, in the relationship and in the situation. Genesis 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, or Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children to, to him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Guess where the, the Egyptian servant came from? From Pharaoh, right? Think about that. When she left Pharaoh, he loaded her up with goods and, and, and probably gave her this Egyptian servant. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. The Lord has, or excuse me, perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to, to Abram, his wife. This happened 10 years before Abram settled in the land of Canaan. But I would imagine it was a little more like this. So Abram's probably like, okay, you want me to, to do what? To go in with Hagar and, and have a son. And Sarah's like, yep, I, that's what, exactly what I want you to do. You know, the, the thing is, is we're up in years. I, I, I can't have a child and, and God's called you to be the, the father of many nations. So this is how it's going to happen. And so you got to imagine he's getting ready to go in the tent and he's like, Sarah, are you sure that this is what you want me to do? And then he's, are you sure, you're sure that, that this is the route that you want to take place? And she, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. This is, this is what I believe that, that we're supposed to do here. So I'm sure. So verse four, it says, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Contempt means an extreme level of disrespect. So she started disrespecting uh, Sarai who was, who was, you know, basically her, her, her master in charge of her. Verse 5 says, Then Sarai said to Abraham, here it is, This is all your fault. That's what she said to him. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abraham, he's wise. Here's what he says in verse six. He says, look, she's your servant, so you deal with her as you see fit. He was like, I'm hands off here. I don't want to get in the middle of this. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Say friction. There was some friction and some tension within this household. Amen? They're a, a blended family, probably all living in the, in the same tent, right? There's issues within the relationship. And again, we have these ideas that, that these stories that we read, that, that they just had the perfect life. They had the perfect marriage. They had the perfect family, the, the perfect household. But it wasn't the case. They had struggles. But the awesome thing is, is they made it. 
Amen? They made it through that. And you can do the same thing in your relationships. You can make it too. I don't care how bad it is. God can turn anything around in your life. So if you need a miracle in your relationships this morning, you're in the right place. Amen? So keys to a supernatural family. That's what we're going to talk about here. Romans chapter 4, if you want to turn there. So again, Abraham and Sarai didn't have it all as rainbows and unicorns. It wasn't the perfect marriage or a perfect family. Romans 4 verse 3, some keys to, to have a supernatural family, even though when everything isn't perfect, is this. The scripture says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The first key is that, that Abraham had faith in God. He had an unshakable, immovable faith in God. He didn't do everything perfect, but he did one thing right. He had faith in God. And that's the foundation. Amen? Matthew 7, it says, it says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the strong winds and, and the storms and the floods and, and just the adversities of life, which they're out there, when they, when they come against that house, it will stand the test of time because it's built on the solid rock. And that solid rock is Jesus Christ. Amen? And it says on the flip side, but if you, if you built your house on the sand, you know, trusting in money and all these other things that, that are just so fleeting, if you built your house on, on those things, on sand, when the adversities and the winds and challenges of life come, that house is going to fall. So again, the first key is that, that he had an unshakable faith in God. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, it, it says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. So you got one cord of, of the husband, you've got another cord of the wife, and, and, and one cord is, it's easy to break that. Two cords is, is really strong, but I'm telling you, when you intertwine God into the midst of those cords, it says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. You keep God in the center of your relationships, always. I always use the, the framework of this. I, I think Pastor Mike taught me this, where it's like a triangle, and, and God or, or Jesus is at the top of that triangle. You're on one side, your spouse is on the other. And as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you'll grow closer to your spouse. But as you, as you drift in your relationship with the Lord, what happens? You drift farther apart from what our, one another. And that word drift is a key word. We've got to be intentional about our relationship with God. Because you put this book down, you, you stop coming to church, you stop doing the things that you know to do, as Pastor Vicky always says, when you, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, and then you'll know what to do. What you know to do is every day, get your nose in this book. Every day, spend time in prayer. Every day, spend, spend time you know, praying in the Holy Ghost if, if you're filled with the Spirit, amen? Doing those things, showing up for church, doing the things that you know to do. That'll grow you in your relationship with God. It'll, it'll smooth out those rough edges. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control, that'll, that'll start manifesting more in your life and it'll, it'll make a healthier household. It'll make a healthier marriage. Amen? That's the key to this thing. Key to having a supernatural relationship is having an unshakable faith in God and growing in your relationship with Him. Another key is, is accepting God's plan for the home. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And as we read this, I'm the messenger. I'm just reading the message. Amen. I'm just reading what the Bible says. 
First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. I, I pulled this out of the Amplified because I thought it was pretty rich. It says, in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior. That's the key. It's not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands. The husband, as the head of the household, has a responsibility for that household. Not to be the boss, but to be the leader, to be the head. And that's a responsibility given by, by God. And they are accountable to God for that responsibility. And so partner with them. Don't pull against them. Partner with them. Amen? So that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. It's been said that, that your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Amen. You don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible. Ladies, if, if your husband isn't where you're at spiritually, allow him some grace. God has graced him to be the head of the household, but you gotta let him lead, amen? You say, well, what if he won't step up and take the lead? Well, you pray for him. You be a godly example for him, amen? You encourage him. Honey, it's great you got out of bed this morning, you got a shower in and you made it to work on time. Praise God. You start encouraging that and more will start happening. But again, it says, he will be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. When they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, here it is, encourage him and enjoy him as a blessing from God. So this word head of the household. Head means that you have a great, the, the responsibility of the home. Again, not greater, not greater privilege, right? Not greater privilege, but a greater responsibility. Galatians 3.28, just listen to this. It says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's proving this. We're all one in Christ Jesus, it's neither male nor, nor female. When it comes to worth, when it comes to value, we're all equal. But again, as the husband, the husband being the head of the household, the, the, the leader of the household, they've got a greater responsibility. So here's the deal. If the family's a mess, guys, it's up to us to figure out a way to fix it. But you're partnering with your spouse. I've said this time and time again. God wants you to win more than anybody else on the planet. And your spouse is right behind him. Your spouse wants you to win. They want a peaceful household. They want to prosper. They, they, they want all the same things that you want. I, I think, you know, pastors, we don't, we don't do marital counseling here, but, but we take the word of God and, 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 and show people that are having challenges in their marriage, you know, what the word says. But I would imagine Pastor Vicki, after doing this for 42 years, she would agree that, that if she was in one room with the, the ladies and, and, and if Pastor Mike was in another room with the guys, that, that if they wrote, both wrote out on, on a piece of paper, hey, this is what I want out of my marriage. They both probably say the same thing. They just disagree on the path of getting there, right? And so in that disagreement, that's where we start, instead of partnering, we end up fighting one another instead of fighting together and growing on our relationship with God. That's another key to having a supernatural marriage and a supernatural relationship. Amen? So again, men, God graces you to be the head of the family. He does. Pastor Vicky's taught me that many times over the years, that, hey, if, the, if, if a gal will just let their husband lead, it'll all work out. I remember before we were saved, and, and you know, we were living together, life was a train wreck. I was on an ACDC, Highway to Hell. 
And Melissa was following right behind that. But when I got saved, and I was sitting in that jail cell, and I, and I said, hey, I'm looking at, at 15 years mandatory minimum. If you got a bounce, I, I totally understand. But she said, hey, when, when I said I do, a, you know, it was forever. And, and I said, I, I, the train's wrecked. I, I don't even know what this means, but I got born again. I'm going to follow Christ now. And, and she said, hey, I'm going to fall in behind that, and I'm going to follow you. That's, that's the biblical way. I'm telling you guys, that's how this whole thing works. But Christ has got to be the head of you. Amen? Doesn't mean you got to be perfect. Abraham and Sarah were not perfect. That's what I'm trying to get at here. It's not about being perfect, but it's about growing in your relationship with God. Amen? Amen? So faith in God, understanding God's plan for the household and, and how he set it all up. Another key is honor. That's why we honor Pastor Vicki as, as she's here this morning. You know, you, you, you know honor is kind of a, of a lost thing, which is, is very unfortunate. Honor is a big deal. First Peter, we'll go, we'll go back to there. First Peter chapter 3 again. In verse 7, it says this, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with the understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, Again, we just talked in Galatians 3. She's equal to you in value and worth. She might not be able to bench press or, or, or squat or deadlift as much as you. So she may not be equal, or she might be not equal. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. But you've got to partner up together and move in the same direction. Amen? Treat her as you should, listen to this, so your prayers will not be hindered. That's a big deal. Lack of honor means lack of your prayer getting answered. This could be one hindrance to you receiving a miracle from God. Dishonor. So if you got some dishonor in your life, fix it right now. As, as you come to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, that's when you, you sit in here, the Holy Spirit should be speaking to you about your life. As I share things about maybe my life, as, as Pastor Mike shares, when, when he's teaching you again, the Holy Spirit is working on you. To, to root things out and, and to get things so that, that, that he, can, he can fix us, right? He can mature us. He can grow us up. Amen? It's not just sitting here on Sunday and having a feel-good message and, and then going out of here and, and uh, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. It's not that whatsoever. It's a big deal. Honor. Honor one another. And here's the thing. Guess who gets to go first? You do. You go first. Husbands, you go first. Wives, you go first. Pastor Mike always says that marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100. And when your spouse is only given 30 or 40%, we're still required to give 100%. Easier said than done. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? Wake up in the morning, you pray in the Spirit, you put the Word of God in, you just ask God for grace and that empowerment, and He will help you to get through your day. Why is this such a big deal? Your kids learn honor from you, but they also learn dishonor from you. And you can think about that in your own lives. You know, we're all products of our environment, right? You grew up in a household where they either honored and, and respected the church or, or maybe they didn't. You know, and again, that, that's a big deal. And, you know, uh, your kids are, are again, they're, they're always watching you. So we've got to watch how we, we communicate with one another. You've got little ears at home that are, that are listening to you. You know, so if you go home and you start running your mouth, uh, I don't know why they did it this way, I don't know why pastor's doing that, I don't want to, you know, and you're just venting a little bit, but their little ears and their little minds and their little spirits, they don't know how to, to reason that out. So what you take is just venting out, they're taking that in, and, and they, they love you, they respect you, they're, they're following your leadership, and so they're hearing that, and that creates dishonor in them. 
And then we wonder why when, when they get to be big kids in high school and college and, and, and out on their own, maybe they don't want anything to do with God. Because a lot of times it starts in the household. Amen? But I know you're not, it's not a beat down. We, we, we talk about honor. We honor one another, just like it's talking about here in 1 Peter. It's very interesting. My, my mom's getting ready to, to move into assisted living. She had broke her hip on, on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, she went through rehab. She's back at her apartment right now. She just needs a little bit of extra assistance, but, but she's actually doing really good. And I, I found a lift chair, and, and that was the one thing that, that she really needed. So uh, Justin from, from church here, he and I went out a, uh, a week ago Saturday and, and got that lift chair, and then we had to go to Menards to get a couple things. And we were walking in, and I just happened to be watching this couple. You know, they were probably in their early 40s, and guy had a big truck, and, and, you know, they both get out of the vehicle, and there goes the husband, racing into the store, you know, and his wife is walking 30, 40 feet behind him. And I just turned, and I said to Justin, I said, you see that? You know, that's, that's not a real man. A real man walks alongside of his wife. He honors her. He respects her as the weaker vessel. Not 30, 40, 50 feet ahead, and how do you think that makes her feel? How valuable does your wife feel? And then you wonder when you get home, why, why things aren't maybe the way that, that they should be. It's because we need to show honor where honor is due. We, we honor them as the weaker vessels. Amen. We value one another. Call them throughout the day. Shoot them a text message. Amen. Showing them that, that you show worth and you think they're value. Keep pursuing your spouse because, again, your kids are watching. I love giving my wife a big hug and kiss and, and maybe a little squeeze here and there and let my boys watch because they need to learn this stuff with their wives with their wives, amen. amen, not till we're married, but again, it's, it's teaching them by example, hallelujah. You picking up what I'm putting down this morning, or I know this, I'm not trying to be hard, but again, it's, it's honor. So what's the reward for this? Acts 16.31, when, when, when Paul and Silas were imprisoned and, and, and they prayed and, and, and the earthquake shook and the, the gates were open and, and they were able to get out, what did the, the jailer, he, want, he was going to kill himself because he knew he would be, be killed for, for, for basically letting them out. He didn't understand what happened. And, and Paul and Silas said, wait, 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 don't kill yourself. And then he goes, you know, they basically shared the gospel and, and this jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And they told him, and, and here's the promise for living this supernatural life. Behind the four walls it says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's the promise. You and your household. You stand on this. I'm telling you, God is moving heaven and earth to try to get your family saved if they're not saved currently. If you've got a, a wayward child, God is moving heaven and earth to get him. God is not looking to populate hell. He is looking to populate heaven. Amen? It says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, they've got to accept it, but again, we pray for them. Remember, we talked on Wednesday night about Ephesians prayer, about God o opening up the, the eyes of their understanding. So the little G God of this world who's blinded the minds of those that believe not, they've just been blinded. But see, God, the devil can't hide God. He can only blind them. So we pray for their hearts to be opened and for a laborer to come across their path to sow the word of God in over and over and over. And they say, hey, I, was, I grew up in church. I know better than this. Amen. They'll have their, their prodigal son or prodigal daughter experience where they say, I need to come back to the Lord. Amen? You stand on that promise. Yeah, Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. More is caught than taught in our household. 
And Abraham and Sarah were not perfect. Melissa and I have not done this perfect. <laughs> I remember having a family meeting hours, right? Noah, Noah knows hours long. It just takes me about a half hour, 45 minutes to just kind of get warmed up and, and talk about it. Well, he's sitting there. He's probably 16, 17. He's got a sweatshirt on and got the strings pulled, and you could see about this much of his face. Now, I had some contempt. I had some extreme frustration toward him at that time. However, I'm the head of the household. I'm the leader. Amen. I'm the one that the buck stops with me. And so I have to step up and, and right the wrongs and, and correct things when, when they get off track. And I know, guys, that sounds like a, a, like a big responsibility, but I'm telling you, God graces you to do this. Amen? He graces you. You're not going to have all the right words. Many words helps a lot, though. Just talk a lot. That, just say it this way and then say it that way and then come back around and say it another way. I just wear them out with my words. Hallelujah. So again, Abraham... And Sarah were not perfect, but they made it. The promise, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, came through the lineage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of that. Even in the dysfunction, God, God uses the foolish things of the world, you guys, to confound the wise. It's what he does. I mean, I'm an example of that. Being up here, he uses the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Hallelujah. So our church family, 1 Peter, we're, we're still in chapter 3. How about our relationship with other believers? So we start to wind this up. It, in verse three, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. That's how we're supposed to act. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Remember that. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. See, there's a promise with all this. If you don't return evil for evil, if you return a blessing, there's, there's a blessing from God as a result of that. Verse 10, it says, For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, how many people want to enjoy life and, and see many happy days? Well, if you do, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. There's three levels quickly of, of communication. You've got the first level is the hellish level. That's if you're, you're with somebody where, where you're kind to them, but, but, but they return your kindness for evil. That's the hellish level of communication. Then we have the human level. This is where most people operate. You'll be nice to them if they're nice to you. But if they're evil to you, then you're going to be evil back to them. That's the human level right? Tit for tat. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But how does God operate? What's the supernatural? What's the, what's the heavenly level? You give good back for evil. And he talked about that in there. This is what God has called us to do. Return evil with good, and he will bless you for it. Amen? Because people will see that, that there's something different about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about Christ and us and being an example, and God is always watching, and people are always watching, and like I said, our kids are always, always watching, and we're to be an example to them. And again, this has taken us up some levels, from goodness to greatness to excellence to, to the supernatural. Not overnight, but over time. God will mature you up. This isn't going to change by, by tomorrow. Everything's going to be perfect in the household, but you're, you're moving in that direction now because now you're aware of it. Amen? Amen. First Peter 3, verse 11, it, it says, Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace 
and work to maintain it because the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord, listen to this, he turns his face against those who do evil. Wow. Says search for peace. We got to look for common ground with one another rather than differences. I, I love church. It's such a, a melting pot of, of different ages, different races, different backgrounds. Some were raised in religion, others weren't, but yet we all have Christ, Jesus Christ in, in common. And somehow God takes all of this and, and he makes it work and, and we move down the path Amen. together. Amen. And I know more people equals more problems, but praise God, God's graced us to get through this. Hallelujah. So it says search for peace. It says work to maintain it. To me, that means it's, it's about being intentional. It's like that, that marksman with the arrow. You, you have to be intentional with this. You can't just, just randomly try to, try to you know, work this thing out. You've got to work at it to maintain it. Amen? But God's grace is enough for us. As we, we close this thing up here this morning, I, I heard this story about you know, these giant redwood trees. These trees grow up to, to well over 300 feet, you know, these are the trees that you, maybe you've seen them in person in California or you've seen them on a, you know, the internet or whatever, but, but they'll cut a hole in it so literally a car can drive right through it. They're, they're massive, huge trees, over 300 feet. You know, some of them can be up to upwards of 2,000 years old is, is what, what, what they, they believe in and claim and whatnot. They, rest, they can withstand strong winds. They, they withstand earthquakes. They actually can withstand fires out there. All of the adversities and challenges of life they can withstand. And the reason why is they've got this unique root system. You know, you would be led to believe that, okay, if a tree is 300 feet tall, and, and here's a perspective. Around here, trees don't even get to be 100 feet tall. So it's three times the, the height of even the biggest tree around here. It's huge and massive. It's not even a, a frame of reference. But you would think they'd have this massive root system that, that just drives down deep into the ground. But it's not that way of, at all. The root system maybe goes 6 to 12 feet deep to withstand that 300-foot height. But here's the uniqueness of it. What, what the root system does is, is it actually intertwines with other redwood trees, and it literally holds each other up. You think about that. You think at church, we, we intertwine with one another, and, and we hold one another up. These trees, they, they grow closer together, and, and they depend on one another for their nutrients. Their strength comes from supporting one another. United we stand, right? Divided we fall. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, as I close, it says, let us not, or let us consider one another, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. One another's, put, is, that phrase is in the Bible over 30 times, love one another, serve one another, like it says here, consider one another. What's it saying? We need each other. Like these redwood trees that are, that are locked and intertwined, their root system underneath the surface. Verse 25, it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting or, or encouraging one another. And so, much more the, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. When you walk in here, this, this atmosphere of faith, this, this energy. You know, I, I know my new young brother, Logan, that, that came up last Sunday and, and received salvation. When I talked to him after service last week, he, he said this. He said, you know, he, goes, I, he, was, trying to, he was trying to communicate out what he was feeling. And like Pastor Mike always says, you can't explain the supernatural. You can't, you can't make sense of it. But he was like, man, he goes, when I come here, it's just, he's just the people, the, the, the energy. He goes, he goes, they just love me. I just feel loved. 
And see, that's the thing. We need one another. You know, you think, well, it doesn't matter if I I skip a service here or there. No. I need you and you need me. Amen. Amen. And And it says even more so as you see the day approaching. And see, you created that environment for Logan and and his friend to get saved that that last week. Yeah, the worship team leads us, and and there's a a message from Pastor Mike or I, but but it's you who creates this environment. You come with either an attitude of expectancy. First of all, you just show up, and that's huge. Praise God. Keep showing up. I'm telling you, God will grow you up. Been here for 21, 22 years now, or, or whatever it is. Not overnight, but over time. Miracles are awesome. Pastor Vicky telling about miracles and prayer this morning. Miracles that event. And we love miracles. We, we, we pray for them. But again, we don't want to always be in a crisis. We want to walk in this supernatural. Because again, that's what's attractive to the world. We should be set apart. Hallelujah. And as Joshua 24 verse 15, it says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. So Abraham and his family, they weren't perfect, but they had this. They had faith in God. They accepted God's plan. They honored one another. And again, as a church family, we stay in unity like those redwood trees. We love one another. We overlook one another's shortcomings. We realize that, that people are at a different level of their faith, that, that people have things going on behind the four walls that they're maybe ashamed of and they don't like talking about, but we pray for one another. Amen? Amen? And you'd be praying for your pastors always as well that they're leading this charge. We talked about that Wednesday night. Go back and listen to that message. Walking in the supernatural, the believer's authority. They're taking ground from the kingdom of darkness and bringing it into the kingdom of light. And the devil's not putting pressure on us. We're dominating and we're putting pressure on him. Amen? How many dominators do we have here this morning? Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.